0: This episode of the Supply Chain Brain podcast is supported by Purolator International, Canada's leading freight shipping and express courier company. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at some of the services that Purolator offers the marketplace. But now, on to the podcast. Canada might be just over the US border, but it has its own unique set of rules, tips, and strategies for the successful delivery of e commerce shipments. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Like the United States, Canada is experiencing a surge in e-commerce shipments. By 2019, 10% of all Canadian retail spending will be online, a shade below the 11% figure projected for the U.S. But navigating that landscape has its complications. There are issues of currency, language, units of measurement, and the vast spaces between major urban centers to be considered. Today we'll get some guidance on how to successfully manage e-commerce shipments to and within Canada, especially for business-to-business buyers, from my guest, John Costanzo, president of Purilator. He'll talk about why some U.S. companies underestimate the challenges of shipping and doing business in Canada, and how they can keep on top of the country's surge in e-commerce growth. And he'll answer the question of just what is a Canadian-like transaction. So here is my conversation with John Costanzo. John Costanzo, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Great to be here, Bob. Look forward to our conversation.
0: Now, in Canada, we're hearing and seeing a huge surge in e-commerce, just as in the U.S. We're hearing that by 2019, 10 percent of all Canadian retail spending will be online versus 11 percent in the U.S. But also getting the sense that perhaps Canadian businesses are not keeping pace with this trend, especially in the B2B e-commerce area. Is that your perception?
1: Well, b 2 B e commerce is certainly not new, but Canada may be a little bit behind the states in that regard, but catching up pretty quickly. Today, B2B transactions are pretty closely resembling consumer transactions as professional buyers are looking for the same kind of choices, flexibility, service levels they get when they buy uh, on a personal level in their home life. So especially the younger buyers, folks that are uh, managing procurement departments in the 18 or under 35 18 to 35 range, Uh, they prefer to make purchases online, whether it's at home or or at work.
0: With the existence of NAFTA and with the feeling that Canada is just right over the border and in most cases speaks our language, and doesn't seem to be much different than we are. Do you think that sometimes businesses underestimate the challenges involved in expanding e-commerce platforms to Canada?
1: Yes, I do. I I think some of the more traditional uh, bricks and mortar companies, uh, the larger industrial firms, Probably a little bit better at it because they, they're they more experienced than international, where we see some challenges on the e-commerce providers, companies that are really invested heavily in the States, and they see Canada as a great opportunity, same language, same cultural relationships uh, and buying habits. So they they see a, a quick opportunity to jump in that market, but they forget there's a border in between and and lots of challenges related to that.
0: It is, after all, another country. Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes right. companies and people don't really fully uh, appreciate that. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the groundwork that needs to be laid in order to create successful e-commerce B2B platforms to Canada. Starting with, I guess, currency. Uh, what, what are some of the issues there? Where does that come into play?
1: Yeah, it's important to take that into account. Uh, you know, two years ago or two, a little less than two years ago, the dollar, the Canadian dollar and U.S. dollar were at par. Buying a U.S. product really was very little difference between the value of your product and a Canadian company's product, or perhaps somebody from another part of the world. Today, U.S. dollar is—I uh, think everyone knows—is very strong. Uh, it's currently trading about a dollar thirty. So there's a premium in buying U.S. goods as a result of that. And I think it's very, very important for anyone looking in the market or to expand into the Canadian market to understand how that lines up competitively with Canadian competitors. So very important element. The other is to make sure that the website can make the necessary currency conversions if need be. You want to sell in Canadian dollars if you can to make your product experience as easy as possible. And consumers in Canada are really, really good shoppers. They uh, will sacrifice a day or two in transit in order to get a good price, and they're going to buy based on, on that price. So the more you can do to do your homework up front and make that experience a very easy one or seamless one, the better.
0: So there are pricing differences, different considerations in terms of pricing between the U.S. and Canada that need to be taken into account.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Language, of course. Uh, Canada is a bilingual country. How yeah. does that figure into it and how should that be an important consideration?
1: Well, in uh, certainly in the Quebec market, it's a legal issue. You have to comply with the language requirements in that market. You need to – your packaging and labeling and even your marketing materials need to be in bilingual uh, – both English and in French, in order to comply with the provincial rules and laws. Uh, Your units of measurement need to be thought about as well and need to be stated that way. It's both a legal requirement but also a customer experience requirement. Folks in Quebec like to be spoken to in the language that they they use on a consistent basis and are comfortable with, and if you're going to be successful in that market, it's very, very important to align all your marketing literature and uh, other material in in French-Canadian.
0: Which leads to the question of packaging and labeling, which certainly takes into account some of the things you're talking about, but other considerations as well, correct?
1: Yes. You got to make your packaging and labeling consistent with the market dynamics. It's not too different than, and I think most of the people that are marketing in the, in the market know that uh, whether you're selling product through direct mail or through other means or website, it needs to have the look and feel of the country you're operating in. And Canada is a Is one country, but it does have these regional differences. And the more your product or your your marketing materials, your packaging, your labeling appeals to the folks in uh, the French-speaking part of the country in a way that they're used to buying and and, uh, speaking in on a daily basis, the more successful you're going to be.
0: I wonder if that's one of the reasons why certain American uh, retailers' initial forays into Canada have not panned out because of their lack of understanding of that different customer experience that uh, Canadians have.
1: Yes, I mean I, I've, it, you can see that on steroids and looking at companies that have expanded into Europe, right, where you you it's certainly a huge market. It's uh 350 million buyers or greater, but it's 17, 18 different markets and uh cultures and languages and uh that's a that's exactly the problem you have in Canada, only much more much less complex to solve. It's really only two different differentiators that you have to focus on, but taking the time to understand it and to uh align with those market differences is really, really very important.
0: How would you define a Canadian-like transaction as different from that in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, we've actually done some research on that just to make sure we understand the differences so we can help our customers better, better understand how to position a sale to Canadian shoppers. Canadians, based on the research we did last year, we contacted over a thousand people. The majority were Canadians, but we did survey U.S. consumers as well that have bought online to see what the different nuances were. Uh, they're not too different, but Canadian shoppers are willing to sacrifice a few days in delivery in order to receive reduced shipping costs. That's probably true of U.S. companies as well, uh, but. At least we have saw that that is true, but Canadians are even more inclined to do so. So how can U.S. businesses ensure delivery to Canada when we have to deal with the uncertainty of the customs process and other obstacles, I think, is also something we found important to understand in, in serving that market so that the experience the customer gets is pretty similar to the one they get here in the States. I just think the whole experience, consumers in Canada uh, hate to get a delivery at the door and a bill for uh, clearance and duty, for example. That's something your consumers don't have to experience here domestically. But they can if you don't set the transaction up properly in the beginning. And there's a way to clear shipments at that border Uh, So that experience is exactly the same as they would have if they were ordering from a Canadian supplier or a company uh, selling goods. So it avoids angering customers and frustrating them and uh, making your products less appealing to to get that all up front and understand the dynamics.
0: Geographically, I would think that Canada uh, provides huge challenges. I mean, certainly you have your usual urban centers throughout the country, but then you have vast areas of, of rural and agricultural territory that must be more difficult to reach. And I guess that leads to interesting questions about just where you should be locating inventory in order to serve Canada. Should you serve everything out of the urban center? Should you have regional or territorial um, type distribution centers? What are some of the factors that go into helping to make that decision?
1: That's a really good point and an important one to consider. You know, many companies think it's really critical to have an inventory set center in Canada, and they rush to put that center in uh, Toronto. The truth of the matter is if they've got inventory centers or D.C. set up across the United States, for example, let's say uh, in Ohio in the, somewhere in the other the central part of the country, maybe Illinois, and again out west in L.A. or uh, Utah or perhaps uh, Nevada, you can serve Canada more quickly from those U.S. distribution centers than you can by setting up a D.C. in-country in in Canada, in Toronto. So you really have to think about that. Think about where your customers are and and the quickest way to uh, fulfill those orders. we found companies can fulfill or tell us they can fulfill an order better. Their fill rates, that is, are better from the States than they are from a D.C. in Canada. On the other hand, if you can stock inventory, smaller parts for fast-moving product, Uh, across the country, and we, companies like ours and others, can help do that through their 3PL services, that's also a good idea. So you have to really look at the profile of where your customers are, where you're targeting, and think about that uh, that distribution center uh, strategy.
0: This is, of course, the era of big data. And I'm wondering the extent to which companies that are seeking to create these e-commerce platforms in Canada are, in fact, making adequate use of the huge volumes of data that are out there with respect to such things as inventory, visibility, routing, tracking, performance measurement. Do you think they're doing a good job in that area?
1: I think it depends on the company you speak to. I don't think anyone's satisfied with the level of use of that data. There's an awful lot of data, as you say, companies collect. I'm not sure how much of it actually gets used and applied to improve the overall supply chain. I, I, I think the most important thing is to really understand the KPIs. What's important to your customers? What is going to make you more successful? And focusing on the data that makes a difference. For example, the the order for fill, fill rate, that's a really critical one, right? How many times can you fill that order on the first attempt, uh, rather than having it arrive in parts, particularly in the B2B section? You know, if you're, you're fulfilling an order for a piece of equipment, and it gets there three different days because you're fulfilling it from several inventory centers across Canada, for example, or because your Canadian inventory center only supplies a piece of that. You may be filling that piece of it pretty quickly, but the customer experience not too good. So I think data is there. There's a lot of it. But I think that my advice would be to make sure you're focusing in on the customer experience you're trying to meet. And less data is more in that case.
0: In relation to that, of course, in the United States, social media has huge advantages for branding and for promotion at the same time, it also has a huge potential for disaster if something goes wrong I assume that's the case in Canada as well. The social media is extremely powerful
1: yeah, Canadians are as tuned in on social media as we are, maybe even a little more so, I think, particularly up in the remote areas of the country where communication is a little more challenging you know in the mining areas, for example, you mentioned earlier that uh, it's a big, big country, uh, and it's true. Uh, although probably 80% of Canadians live within 100 miles of the border, there's a lot of gaps in between those places, and social media and other uh, methods for communicating are very, very widely uh, widely used.
0: Of course, there's always the modal decision. Talk a little bit about some of the innovative options out there for moving freight into Canada.
1: You know, I don't know how innovative I'd call these, but I think I, I, innovation is not always the big bang kind of idea, it's really just applying logical, sensible methods to what you're already doing. Seeing, and what we, you know, we and other companies like ours do is we look at what a company is doing today and saying, is there a better way to do this? You know, have you thought about it, it, Canada often only represents 10%, maybe 20% of a customer's distribution spend. So to be honest with everything, you know, the short staffs today and logistics organizations, and marketing organizations there's not a lot of time spent thinking about that as it should be and you can come up with much more creative ways so consolidation or assembly for example of goods is often a, a method we suggest you know where customers are sending individual orders incurring single package charges uh... single clearance fees uh... single delivery charges often you can you can assemble those shipments Uh, either at your D.C. or at one of our facilities uh, and save quite a bit of money on crossing that border and delivering that product to your customer without losing a day's transit. Air is often not required, right? Canada, as you said, most Canadians live within 100 miles of that border, so the population centers are pretty dense right along that border, and you can deliver pretty quickly by ground into some of those markets. They don't need to spend as much on air. So looking at creatively changing the supply chain for the way you're serving the market, even though it's only 10 or 20% of the volume, can pay big dividends if you make that time and in investment.
0: Does this explain that idea of flying trucks? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean exactly?
1: Well, it's exactly that. You know, we often... So sort does of tongue-in-cheek say that, Or there are no wings on those trucks, right? But they get there just as quickly uh, as air aircraft can, particularly if you're moving out of Cleveland, going into Toronto. You really don't need to fly to give next-day service to that market. And we send quite a few trucks at night up on an expedited level right from the warehouse into our distribution center, hit our whole national sort uh, and again other companies can do that for you as well but you need to think about it now in our case we don't give you menu a, a menu b our approach is always to look at uh, the most logical solution for your business and air is not always the right one but it doesn't mean it's slower truck or surface can be just as fast to certain markets uh, within the canadian market
0: and then we come to the last mile which is always a huge issue wherever you are in terms of delivering e-commerce shipments what are some of the considerations for last mile shipping and service provision in Canada?
1: A few things. One is uh, do you depending on the value of your product, you should consider no signature required on a uh, delivery because as it is here, you know, it, that people are often working not at the house, so uh, you don't want to have a shipment go back to the terminal and uh, a tag left saying "call us" and we'll reschedule delivery if you want that product uh, quickly, or if you want your customers to have that product quickly. So consider having no signature required in all your shipments. The other option is uh, we have, and we can talk about this later, but there are mail products available. And in Canada, what most people are not aware of is about sixty-sixty-five percent of deliveries to a persons' home are delivered through what's called a community mailbox. And Canadians are very comfortable receiving packages through that uh, locker near their home, right down this road usually from their house uh, around the corner. So mail is sometimes an option. Uh, it's a little so, slower speed, doesn't have all the bells and whistles of Courier or Express, but it could be a good option to consider uh, for that reason as well.
0: That's really interesting because here in the U.S., and just we have only recently begun to see the increase in the use of lockers yeah. for pickup, and yet it seems like Canada has been ahead of us on that score.
1: Yeah, very. Uh, that is one area where I'd say Canada definitely is ahead of the U.S. They've been a very uh, aggressive program to install those community mailboxes. Canadians are very comfortable with them, and uh, they work quite well. There's very little resistance. I mean, there are you know there are some occasions where somebody wants it delivered either because their health issue doesn't allow them to get down the road, and we Canada Post makes accommodations for those. But the majority of Canadians enjoy uh, using that, so it it is. For customer experience, it's a good option to consider. We can talk about later some of the things we've done in concert with uh, our parent company, Canada Post, to make that make that a, a good experience for our customers.
0: I assume that Canadians are just like Americans in terms of expecting or hoping or demanding free shipping or what they consider to be free shipping, which leads to the point where companies have to really manage their costs very well. I take it the challenges there in yeah. Canada as well, correct?
1: That's true. And, and, and really, in the end of the day, there is no free shipping. Someone's paying for the cost of getting that product to the door. And Canadians, of course, as I mentioned earlier, are inter- will sacrifice a day or two in order to get uh, a lower cost. They're very cost conscious. Don't want any surprises at that door. So all those options, including the, the uh, postal option, should should be taken into account. And there are ways to make that experience be look and feel very similar to an express delivery.
0: John, I want to spend a few minutes talking to you about Purolator International and the services it offers the market. Uh, It is, of course, a Canadian expert and has been in the market for a long time. Could you talk a little bit about Purolator's history in in Canada?
1: Sure. I mean, we've been in Canada uh, going on 60 years uh, or approaching 60 years. So our experience in delivering throughout that entire market – is really second to none today. The odds were pretty good that from any customer using us to Canada 98% of the orders that you tend to appear will be delivered by a purlater driver. So our coverage is really unparalleled in the market. Talked a lot about some of the nuances of the, of the Canadian market. The transit time and cost to reach the border, those are very important to Canadians. There aren't many Companies like ours that can offer service to the entire country, the ease of clearing the borders, very important. And then we talked a little bit about last mile efficiency. So we've come up with, I mean, our courier service or what we call here in the States express services are really excellent for expediting orders, give high level of visibility. But when it comes to cost, it's going to be a little more costly uh, to have that in consumer goods with free shipping, as you mentioned earlier, uh, it's important to keep those costs down. So what we did is develop a new product uh, called Pura Post. It's for lighter-weight shipments, uh, typically five, ten pounds, going to a consumer's home. And the way it works is we pick up those shipments here in the States. We typically move them by surface to one of our processing centers or our gateways here in the United States. And then we have one of those located virtually uh, every major U.S. city. They are assembled and loaded for transport directly to the Canadian border. Uh, when they arrive at the border, all the paperwork required to get their shipments across the border is already has already arrived upon the truck arriving, and the duties and taxes have been incorporated into the price of sale with the customer. We work with them to pre-assess the duty tax on the products, and uh, they're able to build those costs into their pricing so that uh, there is no duty or tax assessed uh, for the, when the shipment is delivered at the other end. Gets an expedited clearance, and we're part of the Canada Post group of companies. So we've been able to work uh, with Canada Post to build some nice features into that service that give it more of a a courier or express-like experience. So tracking visibility is excellent on that product, and transit times to uh, most of the market uh, come fairly close for consumer delivery to residents to express deliveries.
0: You know, we were talking earlier about the challenges of serving geographically urban and rural and agricultural areas. I guess in that case, the, uh, the the fact that Canada Post will allow deliveries to P.O. boxes is an important aspect, is it not?
1: Absolutely. P.O. boxes as well as some apartment buildings that are difficult to get in. Canada Post, of course, has access to every building in uh, Canada and delivers to uh, every home or address in the market. So, yes. Absolutely. There is no limitation to delivery through the Canada Post Group.
0: Canada Post is that last mile, too, isn't it?
1: It is, yes. So Purolator is is picking up, line hauling, clearing, getting the shipment to Canada Post, and Canada Post takes it into that last mile. It's really a great partnership, and we guarantee delivery from the U.S. under that service between two and eight days, depending on the destination. It's been a great product and it's been uh, one of our fastest growing over the last two years. We introduced it, I believe, back in the spring of 2014, if I recall, and we launched it on a trial basis then. It's been a very fast-growing product for uh, the the consumer goods of the retailers, the e-retailers or e-tailers, I guess as we call them today. And uh, some of the largest companies in the market find it to be uh, a great, have found it to be a great source of uh, service for their, their products.
0: John Costanzo, I want to thank you so much for talking to us about the ins and outs and the intricacies of shipping to Canada, as well as a little bit about Purelater International itself. Thank you very much for being with us.
1: Hey, Bob, thank you. I appreciate your time as well.
0: That was my conversation with John Costanzo of Purelater talking about the ins and outs of managing e-commerce shipments to Canada. Our thanks to PureLator for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any suggestions or comments on this or any other episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.